Family and friends, family and friends. The Bridgewater family will be serving chicken at their home today. <laughs> Lord, the Carolina Panthers of 2020 fought a good, a good long fight. Yes, they did. Yes, yes, yes. They battled demons. The demon of turnovers. Yes, Lord. The demon of failed game-winning drives. Yes, Jesus. Yes. The demon of Matt Rule and Mr. David Tepper, Lord. Cast out the demons, Lord. Today, they meet their heavenly father as they've been <laughs> eliminated from the playoffs in the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Kaza, do you have any kind words for Matt Rule and the Bridgewater family today? Take your time. Take your time. I have my words. Um, Take your time. Uh, you know, I just can't. I can't speak right now. It was so much promise, man. <laughs> he was supposed to be the camera placement. <laughs> Angry black fan, do you have any kind words for the rural Bridgewater and Temper family today? On a previous show, I told y'all to turn your books to Rule 2020. And when I turned the books, I when I turned the page today, the page was burnt up. <laughs> the demons have cast out the good spirits of the Carolina Panthers. And we sit here today just grieving and in pain. But you know what? The Panthers are in a better place. Hallelujah, y'all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, y'all. I, yeah, I wish, I, wish I, I had some kind words to pass on, but the Saints would probably intercept those words. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, look, man, like, I, look, don't judge me, but, like, I'm so excited. Like, this shit is over with. <laughs> like, I, like, every week, like, like, the past two weeks when they changed the game from one to four, like, I was secretly depressed inside. Same. Same, because I, look, I, I toward the end of the season, man, I'm just like, can we please start at one o'clock so I can get that part of my day over with? Like, I, I, I don't want, it, you know, you remember when, like when you was a kid and you had an ass whooping coming when you came home, yeah, and, and you would rather get that over with than to go to school all day and think about it. That's how it was with the Panthers toward the end of the season. It's like, I, I just let's get these ass whoopings over with so I can get on with my day. I feel you on that, man. I, it's it's. Another year of mediocrity in Charlotte. This is just another year, man. Another year. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Under Construction. I am Jamal, the Angry Black Fan. As you can see, we are all grieving today. Thank you for joining us. Um, in case you were under a rock, the Panthers uh, have just been defeated again by the New Orleans Saints. So a score of 33-7. to um, this game was just marred by just turnovers, interceptions, five of them to be exact. Uh, am I am I saying that right? Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two, two of which by Teddy Bridgewater and three by P.J. Walker off the bench. I don't know where to start, guys. You're going to have to help me out. Kaza, give me your general thoughts on this game. If you can 
if you can muster any thoughts on this game, give them to me, I man. Mean, it's weird. How many times have we played the Saints the final week of the regular season and, right, seen, every other year. and seen this movie over and over and over? It just felt like like every other time we play the Saints, they decide to run up the score because they can. Let's leave Drew Brees in because this might be the last time Drew Brees gets to throw 18 touchdowns against the Panthers. You know, and, 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 and doesn't it make you hate? Sean Payton's face even oh, more. Like, God. really, dude, you really got to do this now. Maybe, really. Yeah, so it was just watching that game. It just felt like the longest game. The nobody, the players didn't care. You know, I'm like, man, I, you know, I have to watch this game so I can, you know, do my duty uh, as a, as a, you know, sports media personality. But God damn, y'all, it was like, like, what am I watching here? It was just. No real bright spots. None. Except Jeremy Chen, of course. But he's a bright spot every, every week. single week. So it was like somebody give me some- – oh, well, no, there was another bright spot. Um, Curtis Samuel. Yeah. 3,000-yard uh, wide receivers. I don't think that's ever been done in Panthers history. Uh, so – His last Panther game? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe his quarterback's last Panther game, too. Maybe it might be everybody's last Panther. Who knows what's going to happen? And that, wouldn't that be a shame that we have Mike Davis, a 1,000-yard running back, 3,000-yard wide receivers, and none of those guys might even be here next year? That's a strong – well, D.J. Moore is still in a contract. Strong so, possibility. A strong possibility that, like, three of those four key pieces could be gone next season. So – so I, I I don't know what to make of the game. The, the I'm really just more focused on looking back at the season um, retrospectively. We'll I mean, get to that. yeah, we'll get to that. But as far as today, I just like. Uh, okay, before before we move on to you, Rodney Kaiser, you look depressed, man. Do, do you want a drink? Is there something I can offer you, brother? Uh, uh, well, I mean, you got the damn bar back there, man. You, you want to fix yourself back, something? Uh, yeah, I think, I think my kids drank up all my liquor, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, this vodka tastes kind of weak. Water. <laughs> Rodney, can you can you muster up any thoughts on today's game, man? Just what are you what are you look? This so, is a safe space. What are you feeling today? So um, last week, uh, people hated on me because I said, "Hey, it'd be nice to lose for a uh, better draft pick," and everybody's like, "Hey, man, look, this win against Washington's for the culture. It's a culture builder, man." Let me tell you something, man. Those dudes like they did not give any kind of f's today. <laughs> like it, 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 any of that culture building last week is out the window, man. Like. It's. I mean, they 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 all look like they were just ready to to, to go to Aruba or something like that, man. I I, I don't know, man. I, I'm 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 just excited to to actually see what we do in the off season, especially the draft. Uh, some tough decisions have to be made, man. I mean, do you yeah. pay Curtis? Do you pay Taylor, uh, Taylor Moten? I mean, do you do you resign the God uh, to hear Whitehead? I mean, you, you got to figure it out, man. I'm going to slightly dis. I'm going to slightly disagree with you and Kaiser on one point. I because I actually think the defense gave some effort today, but I think they got deflated after the second interception when 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 Teddy threw it into double coverage the second time. 
that ultimately ended the game because I, I I just kind of noticed the body language and the momentum completely shifted hey, after man, that second interception. Teddy's trying to go back to Orleans Parish, man. I mean, I, I, it, it, it damn sure looked like it. I I, I just don't. I, he's more dapping up his old teammates than being focused on winning the damn game. <laughs> hey man, I'm trying to get y'all that number one seed, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but 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 in all seriousness. You can't have the defense on the field that much. You know what no. I mean? And then, and then on, on top of that, like, to get back to Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, he's obviously been trending downward the last three or four games of this season. But but today was as bad as it got. Am I, am I off? Like, no. today, yeah. like, he made some throws. Like, you don't even expect him to make. You know what I mean? Like, I – I always want to be fair and objective, so I just want to know what's wrong with him. What happened? Did he just so, stop caring? I think I really think that the commentator said something that kind of piqued my interest about how Matt Rule stated that they wanted to take shots downfield. We know this, we said this before the season started. You don't take shots downfield with Teddy Bridgewater. It's not what he does. He 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 just doesn't really have the arm for it. And the interceptions that he threw were shot downfield. So I think that's what it was. And I think that speaks to a bigger point that we've talked about on the show about Matt Rule's relationship with his quarterback. You know your guy can't throw 30 yards downfield. So why are you saying, well, our game plan was to come out and take shots downfield. It's like, but that's you ain't been doing that all year. Yeah, yeah, but but, now you're going to try but to even add to that point, I mean, it's it's pretty, I don't know, I, I guess it's kind of well known that Teddy was Matt's guy. You know what I mean? I, I've seen reports that Matt was all in on bringing Teddy Bridgewater in. So if that's the case, that makes it even more puzzling. If you know, the, if you, know you want to shape your offense around a quarterback who could throw the ball downfield, then why the hell do you go after Teddy Bridgewater so hard in the first place? familiarity with uh, the golden child offensive coordinator. I mean, you, you I'm, I'm looking at it from, I'm looking at it from the uh, Panthers vantage point. Like he had familiarity with uh, what's the, what's the offensive coordinator's name? Uh, Joe Brady. Brady. He had familiarity with Brady. They thought it'd be kind of a seamless fit. Like you get enough familiar faces in that locker room, like to hear whitehead and, uh, uh, Robbie Anderson and, and, and PJ Walker. I mean, with, with the lack of an offseason, I think I think if people have familiarity with other people, it, they, they thought it would kind of gel a little easier. Good point. But, yeah. Well, anytime you take a, a player from a division rival, that's a good thing because you can get some insight, uh, possibly into yeah. you know the way that rival operates. The Saints have been a thorn in our side for like a million years now. So, you know, you take one of their offensive players and, you know, possibly they give you some insight. I don't – I mean, that didn't – apparently it didn't work. But, uh, yeah, I – plus, you know, Teddy Bridgewell only threw 56% today. And, you know, the, it for his defenders, you know, the one fallback is, well, his completion percentage. And it hadn't been good the last few weeks, actually. Now, he did end the season uh, 70%, which – is is great. I mean, that's the highest completion percentage in Panthers history, but it really didn't translate into 
to, to, into anything. I mean, and another thing, I was like, okay, we got 3,000-yard wide receivers. That's a great feat, but look at our tight ends. I mean, that, that's the thing. We weren't throwing to anybody else, but those three guys, of course, they're going to have um, a thousand-yard season. Yeah. And it, none, of those, none of that translated to offensive efficiency or wins. So it's you know very those are very empty stats and accuracy. So so what you're saying, Kaza, is that stats tell some of the story, but not the entire story. Is that what I'm hearing? They have to all stats should always be put into proper context. context. Yeah, yes. yeah. So what you're saying that Teddy Bridgewater is like the Russell Westbrook of foot? Never, you know what? Never mind, man. I'm not getting into that today, man. But. <laughs> <laughs> right, you don't make that face. I got a better comparison. I, I, I got a better comparison. Teddy Bridgewater is Andre Miller. Okay, this just is interesting. Guard, never an all star, just dependable, and there's always an upgrade out there. Okay, Rodney. Yeah, I, Rodney, I got to ask you a question. Where did you pull Andre Miller out your ass, bro? Yeah, that I, was I, awesome. Yeah, man. It, was, it, was, it was stuck back there. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was stuck back there, man. That, that was a hell of a comparison, brother. Good kudos to you on that, man. But I, I kind of want to go back to that, man. As far as having all these thousand-yard guys all over the field, um, just to kind of ask, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask the same question again. Why didn't it translate to more wins? What's what specifically was it? Why were we not more efficient? Anybody I mean, got to answer that question? If, if, if you look at it, man, Teddy was 0-8 on potential game-winning drives. Mm -hmm. He just didn't he, – he didn't capitalize on those opportunities. I mean, as bad as our defense was at the beginning of the year, which is understandable because we were coming in with a young unit, he just didn't he, – he, he's, he's just not that guy. He, yeah. he didn't get us over that hump. I mean, I can see us. I can see we we possibly could have gone ten and six this year if 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 Teddy could have just finished the drives. I mean, is he, he, he? I hate to say this word. He doesn't have the clutch gene. Shoot me for saying it, but he just doesn't have it. I mean, it's understandable. Plus, he, I think we we need to talk about like our red zone struggles. Like, I don't. I, unfortunately, I wish I could. I would have pulled up these numbers before the show. But I think we were towards the bottom in red zone efficiency. And then on top of that, you got a kicker who I think uh, Rue doesn't trust a whole lot. I, I, I truly believe that. I mean, and I, I mean, just but, think it. I mean, but, but, but did Rue put him in the right, in the proper positions? I mean, you actually this man to kick a fucking 70 yard kick. But here's the thing I, I'm not necessarily talking about the, the, the ridiculousness of kicking a 69 yard field goal to win a game. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Look at all the times we, we've gone for it on fourth down. You know what I'm saying? Those are not all you – know, I, I think some of those were in the red zone. You know what but, I mean? I mean, but, but, I, I mean, but Rule is a younger guy. He probably is listening to the analytics. Analytics probably yeah. say, yeah. go for it. Yeah, I was going to say the analytics are going to tell you to go for it in a lot of those situations rather than kick the field goal. Uh, but I, having said that, you know – it's it's really really hard to lay anything in Matt Rule in a rebound or a rebuild year. It, it just really is. I mean, he made a lot of rookie coaching mistakes at the beginning of the year, and I feel like he earned those problems out as mm -hmm. the season went on. But the players still have to execute. Yep. And um, like Rodney said, 
We just couldn't get it done when we needed to. The Panthers, okay, we got 3,000-yard wide receivers and a 1,000-yard running back, but that was death by a million paper cuts. The best offenses in the NFL have always been explosive offenses, which the Panthers this season are not – they're just not explosive. Look at the game today. How many times did the Saints get a huge chunk yardage when they absolutely needed it? The Panthers had not been able to do that really at any point all season. And I really think that, I mean, the way, the reason the Panthers ended the season five and uh, 11, there's a combination of things. Right. But offensively, it was red zone woes and the inability to push the ball downfield for big plays. Those two things uh, it really w- hurt them offensively all season. I got you. I got you. Um, I want to ask a question. So, the last, what, four games now, we have not seen Mr. Christian McCaffrey. If you are the new GM for the Panthers this offseason, what do you want to see from Christian McCaffrey? What is his future with this team? His future is <laughs> – let me stop. Look, no, go ahead. You know, that, that's why I asked. You guys yeah. know how I am. Yeah. but I t- don't really Hey, look, man. Hey, look. Hey, Rodney. Rodney, as one of our friends of the show would say, tell your truth. You go right ahead, sir. This is my truth. This is a safe space. So um, <laughs> he is draft stock, draft capital. I mean, if, if I can offer him for a second round pick or late first, I do that in a heartbeat. I mean, I, I hate to say this. I mean, he 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 could possibly he could possibly be damaged goods by now. The injuries may pile up from here on out. You don't you don't know. You never know. But I mean, quarterback is the main issue. The offense ran without him. I mean, we haven't won a game with with uh, Mike without, Davis without Chris McCaffrey since what 2018, right? And so it's just like he is he's a good piece, but when he's there, you can tee off him. You can tee off on him because we feed him the ball too much. That's just how so- I. Feel. That's actually always been a knock on the Panthers since McCaffrey. Even even under Ron, when Ron Rivera was coaching, I remember his rookie season reading articles, people saying, man, the Panthers just give him the ball and expect him to do everything. To to do everything, right. And they kind of did that with Cam Newton, and that's part of the reason why Cam Newton's health is what it is. But but that's the thing. When you have players that are that good – you do that because they're that good. I mean, no one. The, the truth of the matter is that nobody can guard Christian McCaffrey in an open field, and a lot of guys can't even stop. He's a lot stronger than people thought he was coming out of college. Remember, the big knock was he can't run between the tackles. We can run between the tackles. So, you know, I think I think a lot of time the coaching staff will get enamored with that, and especially a guy like Rule. He doesn't really know the players. These aren't his guys. And he looks and he sees he's got a guy like McCaffrey and he runs him into the ground the first three games of the season. I think next season, the coaching staff has to be uh, more vigilant, more cognizant of how they're using McCaffrey. Okay, he can run the ball well, but he's a pretty good receiver. You know, he didn't have a thousand yard season. He's going to take a lot less punishment catching balls out in the open field than he would getting hit in the backfield or trying to bust through the line. Um, Tyson, not- let, me, let, let me let me interrupt you real quick. 
because you make a good point, which is why I, I kind of believe it is that much more important to either re-sign Mike Davis or get a running back kind of of his same ilk. I've always said I like a two-back system because I remember, you know, when Christian McCaffrey's first and second year, we were exclusively using Christian McCaffrey. I mean, there was no second running back. There was no fullback, Harley. It was Chris McCaffrey or bust. So to kind of add to your point, Kaza, I, I want the Panthers to go in the direction where we where we kind of balance them out. Like you're saying, you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I think too much McCaffrey, too much of anything on his offense is a bad thing. But I didn't mean to interrupt you, brother. Go right No, 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 that's a great point. Look at the Saints a few years ago when they had uh, Mark Ingram, Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Look how yeah. dominant they were offensively because they had that one-two punch. They could spell Kamara or they could – they could have they, – there were sets where they put Mark Ingram back as the tailback and then have Kamara, you know, out as a as a slot receiver. That's something right. we've never really seen the Panthers do, and it's like, why aren't you doing that? So I think, you know, if – and McCaffrey will be back next season. I don't think the Panthers are quite ready to deal him yet, but I, I do think that they have to just be more cognizant about how they decide to use McCaffrey. I mean, when you have a player that – that's that dynamic. There's no question he can make your team better. You have to make him make your team better, though. If we're no better with McCaffrey on the field than without him, then that's a fault of the coaching staff and the organization. And yeah, then yeah, then you do need to trade him because you know you just wasting his talents at that point. Yeah. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Maybe it's not even. Maybe it's not really an elephant in the room, but Teddy Bridgewater is on the hook for twenty million dollars a year, guys. Um, the Panthers could save $18 million next year if they choose to release Teddy Bridgewater. Let me ask you this simple question. What in the hell are the Panthers going to do about the quarterback position next season, if anything? Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they kept him around one more year. If, if Even if they draft the quarterback in the first round, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they kept him for another year. Um, he could be Trey Bate for a struggling team like a uh, Patriots who who's rumored to be parting ways with their incumbent quarterback, Mr. Cam Newton. But Speaking uh, of which, hold on, time out real quick. Did y'all <laughs> see the game Cam Newton had today? Yeah, I sure did. Sure did. Hey, listen. <laughs> anyway, it's like, okay, like last week, everyone was like, Cam Newton trash. He's super trash. And then. He does stuff like anyway. oh 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 because but it was just the Jets man and uh, he's gonna be out of oh, here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's move on. I mean, Rodney, oh, by the way, he he set two Patriots records. He he has the record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a season. Uh, set that today, and the longest rush by a quarterback, Patriots quarterback, set that today. So he now owns five Patriots records total. So he owns records with two franchises, two different franchises. Hey, guess what? And he also caught a touchdown pass today. Just want to throw that out there too, man. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. He's Just... not going to the Hall of Fame, though. He's not going to the he, Hall of Fame. He ain't going to the Hall of Fame, though. Rodney, what you got, brother? Man, look, man. If he gets in the Hall of Fame, it's going to be twenty years from now. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, it. You, you got a lot of questions to answer, man. I mean, the offensive line needs to be beefed up. We 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 need to add we we need to add some defenders on on the defensive on the defensive side of the ball as well especially linebacker and DB. And so I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if they didn't draft the quarterback in the first round. Um, I know people hate hearing this, 
but I can see them drafting the old lineman if if if, if the right one is there. Yeah, I mean, but, but I, I don't necessarily agree to it, but I mean I, I can see that happening. Now I will say this: just just, just and I'm sp- strictly saying this, uh, you know, based off of like mocks uh, mock drafts I've been looking at. I don't believe an offensive lineman that is worth taking is going to be there by the time we draft. Now, if it is, I'll be happy to be wrong. And I agree with you, Rodney. It wouldn't be the sexy pick, but it may be the necessary pick. But this is a question I, I want to ask. So I was watching this uh, Ohio State-Clemson game this weekend. Sorry, Rodney. And if Justin Fields this happens to fall at that know, pick, man. what do you do, guys? I, I, I before you answer that, before you answer that, let me admit, I was not high on Justin Fields before this weekend. And I saw this game, and I was like, you know what? I may be wrong about this kid. What do y'all think, man? I don't know, man. I, I mean, it, look, it's, it's 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 one game, and the game before that against Northwestern, he was he was he was pretty bad. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah, and like <clears throat> you have to look at it like this: he's been he's been second place to Trevor Lawrence all his life. They 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 both come from Georgia. They both competed against each other. He was number two in Georgia. Trevor's number one. He his team loses to Trevor Lawrence, and, and, and he has that extra mot- extra motivation after dumbass Dabo likes to talk shit, and then um, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> a- after that loss last year, that controversial loss. So he has that extra motivation. And our defense was not particularly good at Clemson this year to me, and so. He made some amazing throws, but I mean, I. I if, this is if, the. Uh, if, this if, is if the I was a team, I have to look at him. This is the Eli Manning, Philip Rivers of this generation, right? You got two guys coming out of college who are both pretty good. One of them you think is going to be a Hall of Famer, at least, and the other pretty good. Yes. But you don't know which. Uh, right. Same thing with Pey- Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, although Ryan Leaf ended up being a bust. I mean, it, a lot of people, actually the consensus was that he was going he was going to be the Hall of Famer, that Peyton Manning was probably going to be a bust who was just getting pushed because of who his father was. I could see that being the case here. I think one of those guys, probably Trevor Lawrence, is going to be very, very good. And I think Justin Fields will be – he'll have to be in the right situation. I think the sometimes right yeah. Yeah, yeah, we I look agree. at guys who come out – you take a guy like, say, Russell Wilson, okay? Russell Wilson was not drafted high, uh, of course. You know, he transferred uh, from NC State. You know, he, he came into the league and there wasn't a lot of big <laughs> expectations. The Seattle Seahawks was the perfect situation for him. I cannot say with certainty that – Russell Wilson would be the player he is today if he had gone to Cleveland or or the Giants or you know the Jets right. or something or some situation like that. So Justin Fields has to go to a team that needs a quarterback but is in a fairly stable situation. That's See, kind of the Panthers. I, I feel like. I mean, I think he'll do okay here. Like I, I, I actually, I actually want the guy to succeed. I, I like the kid. But if, if 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 he goes to the Jets, I don't see it, man. Like, oh yeah, he, Jets, he, Jacksonville, those teams. I I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I want to I want to quickly get to something Chris in the chat room was saying because I, I believe this is an interesting question. 
our our front office situation is in flux right now. Um, you know, we're interviewing guys as we speak. Uh, Cesario from the Panthers, a um, couple of other guys I, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But how much is that going to affect what we do in the offseason, or does it affect what we do in the offseason? Kazi, you want to take it? Yeah, I, I think it's going to very heavily affect what we do in the offseason. I mean, this is a rebuild. And rebuilds don't happen overnight. If you look at when Ron Rivera came in, there wasn't a whole lot of movement. I mean, except for um, Chudzinski leaving, uh, but that that was two years into the rebuild. That was after uh, the you know Cam's second season that Chudzinski went and took that head coaching job with the Cleveland Browns. So after a single year, it would be kind of tough if we if we started losing uh, staff. And I think that. Tepper and Rule will take that into the account into account the possibility that we would lose Joe Brady or any one of our other uh, you know uh, coaches or assistants and the fact that a new GM is going to come in we still don't know where we can only speculate about what the role of the new GM will be uh, how much influence will Matt Rule have over picks uh, is it just going to be an analytics guy and then Matt Rule is a personnel guy we we, we still don't know. I expect this offseason to be one drastically different than the previous season. I think the COVID restrictions won't be as stringent. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Matt Rule, okay, he, he got his feet wet in the NFL now. He knows what to expect. Um, I, I expect very good things this offseason, regardless of who the GM is. Right. You got anything? Um, whatever GM that, that, that is chosen – it would be a collaborative effort between him and Rule. Uh, Rule has that security. Rule probably has more pool with Tepper than 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 than, than, than we imagine. I, I uh, mean, he 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 got paid like he did, so he probably seven should. Years, man. You got seven years. <laughs> That's a long time in the NFL. It's a long time, bro. Yeah. And yeah. so Rule has time to 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 to, to kind of figure it out, and this. GM will just this GM and Tepper and Rule will all be on the same page. Um, it's gonna be like, like how said, it's gonna be an interesting offseason. I mean, it's gonna be some mad people, but it's gonna be some interesting, it's gonna be an interesting offseason. All right, I got two more. Well, I got a couple more questions before we move on to the next segment and to my favorite team in Charlotte. But the uh, <laughs> the, the first, I love the soccer team, man. They haven't the, played the, the, <laughs> the first part of the first. The first part of this question, fellas, is I want you guys to give me your offensive and defensive MVPs of this season. We're not going to do it for this game. Okay, I'm about to say it. No, no, no. We're not doing it for this game. (laughs) Uh, Offensive MVP to me, I'm going – you know what? I'm going to say Mike Davis. He wasn't expected to do much this year. Curveball. He stepped Mm -hmm. up and he performed. And – He's been a journeyman throughout his whole career dealing with injuries, and I'm actually happy for the dude that he got a, he got a thousand yards this year, and he seemingly found his home in Carolina. All right, defensive MVP, Jeremy Chen. I mean, for obvious reasons, right? I don't don't even right. bother to, to discuss that. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's gonna have his jacket fitted pretty soon. Pretty much, man. Kaiser so say, what you got, brother? Oh boy, uh, offensive MVP. I'm gonna go with. You on the, <laughs> you on the clock, man? 
I, I, bring pressure. Okay, all right. I'm gonna. Oh, sorry, my, my ESPN tab is. I'm gonna go Robbie Anderson. Uh, anytime you have someone coming from another team, that's always a big question mark about how they're gonna fit in. He hit the ground running. He clearly was the number one wide receiver for most of the season. Um, you know, thousand yards in despite our anemic offense. Um, I, I really think. That at, at times he made Teddy Bridgewater look better than he was. Okay, so someone said Curtis Samuel. I almost said Curtis Samuel because we pick on him every season by, by yeah, being the training camp MVP. And um, and boy, was he impactful, super impactful. But I just feel like uh, Robbie Anderson um, was more expected. You know, we. Drafted Curtis Samuel, we expected this to happen one day, right? Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. One day the kid's going to show up, and he did. Whereas Robbie Anderson, I think a lot of people – I remember when we signed him, people were like, what, that dude from the Jets? I don't think anybody really realized how good he was going to be. Which, uh, I best- don't under, which I don't understand why, because if you're, a pan- if you're a fan of the Panthers and you don't remember that game where Robbie Anderson ate our lunch in our face, then I don't understand how, how people were like – why don't we get that guy from the Jets? But anyway, I digress, man. Did you have any more, Kaza? I was going to say defensive. My defensive MVP is Brian Burns, actually. Yeah. Um, you, you could say Jeremy Chin, certainly. But our defensive uh, uh, line was really just not like what it used to be. And it, it was a point in the season, maybe after week three, where it almost seemed like Brian Burns just said, all right, bet. All right, I'm going to sit close to the TV now because <laughs> – I gotta get. I gotta do what I gotta do. And he went out and racked up nine sacks over the last few weeks. He didn't even play today. He probably would have had in double digit sacks. Um, and this is someone. Remember, he came out of college as uh, an outside linebacker, and this year he had been asked to essentially convert to a defensive end. And boy, has he answered the call. Um, you know, his, his pass rush win rate is one of the best in the league. Uh, the number of quarterback hits and pressures. You know, he didn't have the crazy sack numbers, and I expect those numbers to go up next season as Derrick Brown gets more comfortable and as we add to our defensive line. Yeah. Um, Offensive MVP, I'm also going to go with Robbie Anderson, but as an asterisk, I'm going to say Curtis Samuel is the MIP, the most important player on the Panthers. Maybe not the best, but I believe Samuel is the most important offensive player. Uh, defensive MVP, I'm going to go Jeremy Chen, but I'm probably going to go co-MVP Brian Burns. I think they both make made a, a very good impact, but just in different ways. You know what I mean? I think Brian Burns may be a bit more important to the Panthers defense because of our lack of pass rush in, in the past. You know what I mean? I, I think without that pass rush, Jeremy Chen is probably not as successful as he was this year without Brian Burns. So it's kind of like a you know they go. They kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion, man. So, 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 so I'm, I'm gonna remix this. Who is your most disappointing offensive player and most disappointing defensive player? I'll take this one first, please. Um, my my most disappointing player is Teddy Bridgewater, number one. Uh, my most disappointing defensive player. I'm gonna probably shock some people when I say this. I'm probably gonna go Shaq Thompson, but let me explain why. I'm gonna explain why. Shaq Thompson is one of those guys where he is what he is. Like, he's a solid guy, but he probably doesn't need to be your best linebacker. So a lot of that isn't really his fault, if that makes any sense. But who y'all got? Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ronnie. 
I've been bashing on Teddy, but I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna throw a wild card out there. Russell Okun. Uh, good, good one, dude. Mm-hmm. The, the dude is look. Just right, look, man. I, I, let me say this for you. Just ride off into the sunset. Thank you for your non-service. Please, goodbye, please, please, goodbye. Please. Take your little bitch ass bitcoins with you. Uh, you. Goodbye, goodbye. Go cash out your bitcoin and be well. Goodbye. Uh, the most <laughs> the def- on the defensive end, man. I'm going to say. I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, I really didn't have that much expectations. Yeah, for, right. For this, young, for this young defense, but I, I want to say uh, to hear Whitehead, man. Um, he had that C on his chest. Yeah, and, and it didn't look warranted at all. No, not and, one bit. And and he was supposed to be rules guy. He's supposed to be. He's supposed to help Shaq set that tone and. Quite frankly, he looked like he's on his way out the league. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Kyle, you got? For me, offensively, I'm going to pick on the low-hanging fruit and say Ian Thomas. And you can throw Chris Manhurts in there, too. Thomas had uh, 19 catches on 28 targets for 146 yards, and he played every game this season. Jeez. That's unacceptable. Yeah, that's and, I, and I, I understand – that our offense didn't seem to be as predicated around using the tight end as it was uh, previously. However, you got to do better than that. You got to get open. You got to yeah. let your guys know, hey, man, I'm 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 open. And and there could be a reason why the Panthers decided uh, not to go to Ian Thomas as as you know that often. Maybe they you know maybe they just felt like he was unreliable. So. That's my pick for offensive player. Defensive player, I'm going to say Dante Jackson. Now, he had an okay season, three interceptions, ten passes defended, but there was no real impact in those numbers. He was hardly on the field, and it's hard to tell whether his turf toe impacted his performance when he was out there or not. I mean, this guy was supposed to be the second coming of Josh Norman. Action Jackson. I remember, you know, his rookie season. We were like, man, this, yeah, this might be the guy. And so far, he has not proven to be the guy. He's like, he's just an, I mean, maybe marginally better than Russell Douglas, I guess, you know? So, right, right. Um, yeah, those, those are my picks. All right. Moving on to my favorite team in Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets, who I will say, at least in my in my very humble opinion, had a slightly disappointing week last week. Uh, the I'm sorry. The Hornets went one and two, uh, winning a great game against the Dallas Mavericks, uh, frustrating Luka Doncic and made a meme, meme out of him, which is pretty cool. But then they dropped one to the Grizzlies and they, then they dropped one to the crying Philadelphia 76ers guys. Um. First, let's talk. Let's talk about the Mavericks game. Um, I, guys, who wants to share your thoughts first on on the Hornets' win versus the Mavericks last week? Man, it, it was like everything was clicking. Uh, the rotations were crisp on the defensive end, and we had like thirty two made baskets or something like that at one point, and like twenty five assists or something. Like that. I mean, it's everybody was involved. It, it was a it was a team effort. And Lamella Ball shined, and, and 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 it's just like it, it it got me thinking, man. Like this team, sometimes we have the tendency to play up and down to our competition. 
And we're not at the stage in development where we can do it, where we can't bring that effort every night. And so I I, I need for Borrego to 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 to, to get in the, get to get in their ass a little bit, man. I agree. The loss to Memphis is inexcusable. Biombo should never be your top scorer in the game. Yeah, never. I mean, uh, the the Dallas game, the Hornets shot the ball well, which, I mean, I guess that this sounds like a Booger McFarland take, but you got to shoot the ball well and win the game, right? You got to you got to hit more baskets than the other team. Yeah, yeah, you, you got to. I mean, they shot. <laughs> Uh, what he hit more baskets than Kevin Durant. That's why they won. <laughs> I mean, so the the and we what we saw in the Memphis game and in the Philly game, the Hornets came out cold. And I and maybe we're not ready. Maybe we'll have this conversation in, in a few minutes. But the Lamelo Ball factor cannot be denied. When he comes in the game, it's a different Whoa. team out there. Like suddenly, guys are hitting shots. The cat's getting dunked on. It's like, what's going on? And then he leaves the game, and then the offense gets stagnant. Bismack can't catch passes. How is he never ready for a pass? I'm ready for the pass. I'm sitting on the couch. Let me add to that question. How is Bismack not ready for the pass after 10 years? How, how have you been in the league for 10 years and you have not learned how to catch a basketball? Look, I, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. So I will, I'll, I'll rewind it and watch it in like slow-mo. And he's like either – I think he's so focused on – because he knows he physically he's overmatched a lot. So yeah. I'll give him some credit for that. You know, we joked about this on a previous show, but he's like LaMelo Ball's height. And having to battle against Joel Embiid and and Andre Drummond in the paint, so a lot of times he's focusing on getting his positioning for the rebound or whatever, thinking surely I'm not going to take the shot because I'm busy. Right. Beyond my job is right. get the rebound. And the ball comes and hits him in the face and it goes out of bounds, and we're all like, dude, what? Like, what the hell? Um, if I'm Borrego, I'm like, look, you're going to catch up. Thousand passes before practice starts, bro. You need to get in the gym and just catch passes all day. I'll say this also about the uh, the Thunder game. I don't think the Thunder or the Cavs are as bad as we would as we think that they are. Uh, the Orlando Magic, the darlings of the Eastern Conference, lost to the same Thunder team yeah. last night. I saw that. Yeah. So. I think what it is is Western Conference teams are still really strong, okay? And I don't think you can discount any Western Conference team no matter how bad they are. Um, so, in I mean, we're only six games deep into the season. It's it's really hard to know. I remember a few years ago, remember the Hornets led the Eastern Conference? They were like for, five games. For five, 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 for, for, for five minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, holy crap, the Hornets are going to be good this year. And we didn't even make the playoffs that, that – that year, we were like tight that year, man. It was bad. Yeah, I think what is going to happen is Borrego is going to be forced to make a lineup change. We might we might as well crack that egg open right now. He's going to have to do something about Devonte Graham Lamella Ball situation, and I think most of us are in agreement what that change needs to be. I also think he's got to take a long hard look at PJ Washington versus Miles Bridges because we've seen. What happens when Ball and Bridges are in the game at the same time? It's like it's like NBA Street out there suddenly. Yeah, and where PJ has been, he's been he's been giving effort. I'll give him that, but he's struggling out there, and 
his struggles and Devontae's struggles are losing us games. Yeah. And if I'm Coach Borrego, okay, season three, you, you can't be losing games with the money that we've spent to get pieces. I think you got he's got to do something. Ronnie, what was you gonna say, brother? Um, I got a statement. Uh, the cure for COVID is in Bismarck Biombo's hands. <laughs> so, um, I mean, so, I mean, look, it's, it's time to have that conversation. The Hornets are last. The, the starting five is last in net rating. Period in the NBA, yeah. and I understand that some of these fans think we're turning on. Uh, Devonte Graham, but I mean, Devonte's at a place where he looks like he's having a glitch in NBA Live with, with the pump faking all the time, and and, and the, the confidence is just it's just not there. I mean, he's passing the ball, but it's, it's not really leading to anything. Like he is hurting the team at this point. Right. So, hold on, y'all. Hold on, hold on, because I, I got to speak to Rodney's point real quick. I don't know if y'all remember last season. I, I I said last season, this team comes and goes with Devontae Graham a whole lot, and that was really the case last season before we had an up before we had an upgrade in talent, and it's kind of showing it, itself again this season. Now the one the criti- the the fair criticism with Devontae Graham, even going back to last year, and and Jerry Valancourt even talked about this was diversity in his game because he's either he's either shooting a three. Or he's either driving to the lane or dishing off. And he never he never developed the floater, the stuff around the rim. And the re- and the reason I say and the reason I'm saying all this because Kaiser brought up a good point. People are guarding teams are guarding Devontae Graham differently this season. Yep. He and, and w- which kind of brings you brings us to your point, Rodney, which which is probably cause for all the pump fakes and not being sure what he wants to do, being unsure of himself on the offensive lane. And plus you you couple the fact that he is now looking over his shoulder every second because this because this lottery pick is showing his ass. You you take all that into consideration, and that's probably why you're not seeing the best of Devontae Graham right now. And, and, and look, I, I'm going to give credit to uh, to to Danny Thompson, the uh, terrible Falcons fan. Uh, <laughs> Congrats on that third pick, Danny. Go ahead, man. Me and him had ha- have had these conversations. And I, I, I'm, I'm starting to see where he's coming from. He's, he, he's saying a successful NBA offense, in a successful NBA offense, Devontae Graham is not your starter. He is the sixth man of the team. And I agree with that. I mean, LaMelo. LaMelo can affect the game without scoring. Without shooting yes. the ball well, yeah. And – the 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 uh official score now is, is just an added bonus, but we've seen this man give effort on D coming behind stealing balls. We've seen him rebounding the ball. I'm you glad know, you said that. It's like like how is he how are you doing that? Yeah. I, you know, one of the biggest knocks on Melo uh was his hustle and lack of defense. But I am not seeing that. I'm the not dude, seeing that. He's trying, yeah. he's giving an effort, he's trying effort, which, which we know in the NBA. Defense is all about effort, and he's out there playing with this level of energy um, that we're not seeing from a lot of other guys. I'm not saying that Devontae Graham isn't playing with energy, but uh, I, one, I really think not playing in the bubble last season hurt the Hornets and, and yeah. the coaching staff. Absolutely, uh, 
talked about that, how they wish they could have gotten a few more games in. Because one of the things that we talked about last season was, you know, it looked like Terry Rozier was overtaking Devontae Graham near the end of the season as being the better backcourt player. Uh, and what was happening was that teams were starting – they were starting to guard Devontae Graham a little different. If you look at – go look at, like, his um, highlights. I was watching the highlights of his – when he dropped 40 points against Brooklyn last season. A lot of ISO. A lot of ISO coming off screens, and then the the other guy wouldn't go under the screen. they both go over top of the screen, and they would kind of let Devontae shoot or make a decision whether he wanted to drive or not. They're not doing that this year. They're not double teaming him, but what they're doing is they're kind of sagging off in what used like what used to be illegal defense in the NBA and kind of sagging off and then essentially making him shoot over a wall of, of human beings instead of one defender off of the screen. And Devontae doesn't because he's not good enough in the paint to get around those get around them, yeah. Finish. And, um, and you know, we've seen that he gets in the paint, tries to shoot, he gets gets blocked, and he's not gonna get a call. Because he's Devontae Graham, so you know he's got to he's got to shoot. And if his shot's not falling, then it's it's hurting the team. And like Rodney said, uh, he he's not the kind of guy you want to be a, a starter. He's too streaky. You know why Dell Curry never started as a Charlotte Hornet, even though he was probably the team's best scorer because he was too streaky. If Dell Curry couldn't hit, then Nothing you were in trouble. Exactly. So now, now to that point, Kaiser. Now, uh, speaking of consistency, now this is just my belief. Uh, this is not intel or anything I've read, but I believe this is why PJ Washington is going to remain the starter over Miles Bridges. And let, let me explain why. I, I get what you're saying about Miles Bridges and, and, and him and the Lamelo Ball effect coming off the bench. But we got to call a spade a spade. Miles Bridges looked terrible in two games this week. You know what yeah. I mean? And I and I think that goes back to a problem Miles Bridges had last season was consistency. That was the knock on Miles Bridges last season. And I think that alone is going to keep him coming off the bench versus PJ Washington. And that because we got a lot of man, we got a few fans that ask, well, man, why does PJ Washington continue to start? And the reason why I believe they're saying that is because P.J. Washington, he made this weird declaration in the offseason that he wanted to be more of a playmaker. Um, nah, bro. That doesn't need to be a thing. P.J. Washington has 13 turnovers as opposed to, like, seven assists this season. So the P.J. Washington as a playmaker thing needs to die, and it needs to die a horrible death. But with that being said, when he realizes what he is and how he fits as a starter – I just think he remains the starter for that reason, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and also, man, like, I think this team is going to have to make a decision pretty soon. Um, if we're constantly competing and we want a playoff spot, I think we're going to have to make a move for a big man. Oh, quite absolutely. Soon, yeah. Soon. And we may have to sacrifice a piece like a Jalen McDaniels. Or, or Malik Monk. Or Malik Monk. Okay, look. Hey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know, this is coming. Okay. Real quick. No, no, no. First? I, 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 I'm gonna go to a quick soliloquy. You, you, okay. Okay. So, imagine you're a parent. Your child is doing awesome in school, and your child was caught skipping school and smoking weed, <laughs> and your child uh, was like, "Okay, 
He got punished. Everything, look, he got punished. Everything's back on track. Your child kind of got back off track for a little bit, and they have to earn your trust back. How do you earn your trust back? By doing what they're supposed to do constantly to get back to that point. Guess what? Malik Monk isn't playing because of Malik Monk. Point blank, period. Right, look. The guy you, you, you know you got a lot of people that don't want to hear that, man. You know what I'm saying? The guy is talented offensively. Um, but you have to question his maturity. I mean, look, man, look, I can't be mad at James Morego. He says Malik Monk is working, and it's 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 he it's gonna come sooner or later. He he's gonna get that time, but he needs to keep working, stay out of the paper. Look, I don't care if you're frustrated. You don't shut have up. look look yeah you don't have, shut you, up yeah you don't have the equity to me to voice your frustration at this point. Hello, preach, preach. Look, I, Rick Barnell's is doing his job, but guess what? I don't give a damn, dude. Look, do what you're supposed to do. This is a contract year. Step it up. Period. Kaiser, that was strong, yeah. but Kaiser, how you gonna follow that one, bro? No, I was just gonna say I. Don't think about Malik Monk ever. When I think about the Charlotte Hornets, Malik Monk is the furthest thing from my mind. There's wow. a lot to be upset about with the Hornets and a lot to be excited about. And Malik Monk is neither of those things. I, I'll be honest. I think his time as a Charlotte Hornet came and went. And I don't think we're getting a lot of movement from other teams about him because teams want to avoid players that have been in the drug program. Because the thing is, is what people don't realize about the drug program is your team kind of babysits after that. You got to check in with them. You have someone that the team assigns to you. Yes, Michael Jordan has to pay someone to babysit Malik Monk and make sure that they're not he's not doing drugs. That is a true, real thing when you're in the drug program. Do you think another team wants to take that on for a right. player that, that probably won't even start? No, they don't want that. Because That's look, crazy. listen, man, this is this is a grown man business, bro, and yeah. the NBA is not in the business of babysitting. But go ahead, bro. Exactly, there, and, and you know the NBA, the, the chances again, the NBA are so in infinitesimal. I mean, they're just so small. If you don't make the most of that opportunity, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. So you know, and, and and the thing here's another thing. This is two coaches that have put Malik in the doghouse. I don't think that's a coincidence. Hello. Two different coaches. Okay, you could say, okay, well, Clifford would rather have rather have had Donovan Donovan Mitchell or whatever. But he, if we forgot, Malik Monk played backup point guard in the first what twelve games of his rookie season. It was um, bad. Yes, I mean that that was out of necessity, but hey, he had an opportunity. Um, I, I just think, you know, a lot of this is Malik Monk's fault. Also, he missed practice. Last week with a migraine. I know migraines are debilitating, but but of course he didn't play. And people are like, why is Monk not playing? Because he missed practice. People don't realize that the, the coach looks at those things. You got a guy who was getting the most minutes of his career, and we saw like Monk was playing gotcha. really, really well. Then suspension for the drug program. Then we have this weird COVID year. Uh, he gets COVID. That's no fault of, of his, really. 
Um, but he's got to recover from that and come back. So now you you, you come back. You're, you're out of shape. You're not playing shape because you couldn't work out because you had COVID. You still got this drug program thing hang, hanging over your head. The last thing you need to be doing is missing practice. If you want to go to practice and be like, hey, coach, I'm not feeling well. I got this headache, but hey, I'm going to be out here practicing. Do you think that makes a bigger impact than saying, you know, I'm just going to skip practice because I have a headache? By the way, I just did an article with the Charlotte Observer about how frustrated I am. That's absolutely I, I I wish fans wouldn't focus so much of their energies on Malik Monk because he's not willing to focus his energies on being a Charlotte. Guys, 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 look, look. First of all, Malik Monk never wanted to be here in the first place. And and let me, me, me tell you why he's so let me tell you why fans are so invested in him. Because when that pick was made, the consensus was. Oh, MJ finally made the right choice. Da, 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 da. And it, it, it's, it's, coming to, it, it's coming to fruition like, oh, maybe we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. It, it was Steve Clifford holding him back. Oh, no, no, no. It was James Borrego holding him back. Look, James Borrego is playing two damn second rounders and, 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 and undrafted kids. Malik Monk just ain't cutting it right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, when he gets the opportunity again, he needs to ball out. All right, y'all, listen, listen, wait, 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 Kaza, y'all, y'all have made some incredible points. Uh, let let me cut in real quick, man. I want everybody to understand something, okay? Malik Monk is clearly more talented than both the Martin twins. I think everybody can agree with that, okay? Now, if you're, offensively. offensively, offensively. Now, I say that to to prove a point. I want you guys to ask yourself, how bad is it that two coaches, like Rodney has said, that two coaches in the past three years have said, you know what, you need to sit down and figure some things out. Malik Monk, Mitch Kupchak has said Malik Monk is the most talented player on our team. You have to understand the Hornets spent a first-round investment. Anytime you make a first-round pick, that is an investment. So how bad is it? Behind the scenes, y'all, if Malik Monk isn't playing in front of two second rounders, do you think that I'm asking fans this question? Do y'all really think Michael Jordan, Mitch Kupchak, and James Morego, all three of them are like, eh, you know what, man? We just need to sit him down because we just don't like the guy. No, something's obviously wrong. And, and we know I, that Michael Jordan, he, he's got a rapport with Monk. We've seen it. We see way, it. Yeah, the way he interacts with Malik Monk, he's clearly in that kid's corner. So, and to, and to your point, so, so what that so what that means is Malik Monk has gotten chances and chances and chances, and he's still getting a chance. Now, again, like we've been saying, we're only six games into the season. Um, who's to say by game 16 he's not getting consistent playing time? We don't know that. You know what I mean? So we, we all need to kind of calm down on that. But in the meantime, just like Rodney and Kaiser have made amazing points tonight, Malik Monk has got to do his part, y'all. So everybody's got to just chill out and be patient and see what happens, man. Plus, guys, we don't know what's going on behind the, the, the scenes. That's another. This is all speculation. Right. It, it could be nothing. We could just be making nothing out of it. And he, maybe he just really needs to get back in a basketball shape, and we'll see him see him out there. Right. All right, guys, we have, we have been very long-winded about this, and we have kind of uh, come up against time today. 
So I just want to bring us to the point where we are at our parting shots. Do we have any parting shots? Shout outs or shout ats today? Um, I'll shout at Cam Newton's critics. Uh, <laughs> that brother has had a tough season. This is probably the toughest season that he's been through, and he went he went through some tough seasons here at Carolina. But the the pressure and the expectations of essentially being the successor to you know, some who some think is the greatest player of all time to an organization like the Patriots. And then, you you know, no training camp, it, uh, you know, nothing, you get signed a week before the season starts, no preseason. And then you come out like gangbusters and everyone's singing your praises. Everyone, man, Cam Newton's back. And the only thing that happens is that you catch COVID, you miss three games and you come back and you're not a hundred percent. And we've seen this with other professional athletes. Once you catch COVID-19, it takes a while before you're back to normal. So then, of course, Cam has a downward swing the next few games, and boy, does everyone turn on oh, him. Boy. Everybody's throwing dirt on the grave, buddy. Man. They cannot wait to shit on Cam Newton just like they did when when he was here. Uh, so, And then, of course, the report came out this morning that the Patriots are likely to move on from Cam Newton. And then so he goes out there, breaks a few records, catches a touchdown pass, runs over some dudes, and then throws the peace on. So if this is the end of Cam Newton's career, it's been a great one. It was a lot of fun watching him. Uh, just uh, peace to that brother. I hope he keeps keep doing his thing. Also, a shout out to Drew Brees. Thank God he's retiring. Thank I'm you. So I'm a, I can't wait. Report. My God. Please you know get, I, go away and yeah, get out. Take some time. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Please. Go. And l- listen, it is going to be one of the happiest days of my life when Drew Brees retires. Like, there are like three athletes. I cannot wait until they retire. One of them already did. When Dwayne Wade retired, I was like, oh, God, thank yeah. you, oh, Lord. God. Thank you. I oh, cannot God. wait. Yeah. Drew Brees is next, and LeBron James is after him. When those two guys retire, it's going to be the greatest days of my life, man. But, Rodney, did you have any shout outs or shout outs, or shout outs man? Uh, Shout out to the uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, looks like they're uh, eyeing in on the eighth pick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, and man, shout out to Derrick Henry, man. Two thousand rushing yards this season. Yeah, good. Dude good is a monster. Dude is a beast. Hey man, Derrick uh, Derrick Henry might be my favorite non-Panthers player. I, I just like. I really enjoy watching. I like football, him. Man. Yeah. And uh, just shout out to everybody that 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 made it into twenty twenty one. Uh, 2020 was a hellacious year, uh, a lot of deaths, a lot of funerals, man. And hopefully, uh, we see we start to see the light at the end of that tunnel, man. All right, um, unfortunately, oh, I shout do. Out, shout out to Joseph and Swagner, uh, for congratulations the, uh, on your prizes. On your prizes, yep. All right, unfortunately, I don't have a shout out or a shout at mine, is a rest in peace, unfortunately. Um, uh, hardcore hip hop heads. Uh, received the unfortunate news that MC MF Doom actually passed away October 31st, but the news was announced yesterday. Um, I'm sorry, a few days ago, man. And uh, for those of now, MF Doom was not somebody you are going to see all over the charts. He was not a guy that you were going to hear on the radio. But the, again, hardcore hip hop has kind of recognized this man's genius, even if you didn't like him, because 
when I first heard MF Doom, I wasn't a fan when I first heard him because I wasn't ready for him. But anybody who listened to this man's music uh, knows that he was just the epitome of a hip hop genius, man. Um, all of the rapper, a lot of rappers across the hip hop world, man, kind of shared their grievances, man. Uh, Q-Tip, Most Def, Questlove, uh, too many to name, but the hip hop world just, it, it was just like an, an, an immense blow, a, a big blow to the hip hop world to lose a, a guy like MF Doom. Um, so just uh, rest in peace to MF Doom, peace to his family. Um, his his wife has now lost her son and MF Doom, man. So just God bless her, man. Just I, I can't imagine how, how painful that is, man. But my that's my parting shot for tonight, unfortunately, man. And my other shout out, as always, is the guys who are in this chat room chatting yeah. up with us, the supporters who are on Twitter chatting up with us there, our Facebook supporters, anybody who supports Under Construction, you are valued and we appreciate you more than we could ever say, man. Continue to like, share, and subscribe. Please do that. Like, share, subscribe. Until then, guys, until next week. Guys, we will have uh, Sister Mary Mac will be serving chicken in the back. Uh, there will be some mac and cheese. Uh, be cognizant with the potato salad. Because yeah. Sister Kathy has cats. Uh, you guys have a wonderful day. God bless. Hey, man, save, oh, save me some macaroni. Hey, man, save me some macaroni, man. I'm on the way, man. It might be a little don't, dry. It might be a little don't dry. Pass, don't pass the macaroni in, Thomas, because he'll be dropped out. Biz will drop it. Yeah, don't pass it in. Peace out.